So uh, we will be making forward-looking statements since we just discussed many of them will not pan out. <laughs> but there's no quit in us and uh, it's not due to a lack of confidence in our mistakes. Uh, but it is gonna be a big year in politics. It's already started out, uh, the end of this year has been uh, pretty active in politics as well with the uh, lockdowns in the US and uh, the election in uh, the Netherlands and, and the, uh, the actual platform that he ran on that won was, is fascinating uh, in and of itself. <clears throat> but Yogi Berra, uh, the great philosopher, once said the future ain't what it used to be. And I think that's true in, in, uh, in how we live our lives right now. It's not going to be the same as, it, as it's been in the past. We're going to hear about AI in a, in a few minutes. Uh, how that's changing us, but I think politics is certainly one area where uh, we're going to see big changes coming uh, coming quickly. I think it's we touched on this last week, but it's the challenges that the world leaders are facing. You have this global fragmentation that's really splintering the the world and dividing the world into at least two blocks, if not more. You have the demographic issue, which is changing uh, the face of the workforce and putting a lot more strains on governments and uh, as we're living longer. The climate transition has uh, clearly been a challenge and will go on for longer than we would have liked, and that's going to create opportunities, but also um, uh, we're going to have lose a lot of money along the way. You have the debt issues that we're facing that are massive. Um, you have the changing terms of global trade, which started back with the, uh, really with China, uh, uh, with their growth, but then really took off and changed in terms of trade with the Trump administration and some of his policies. And then you move it to now, you're looking at the social strains. And as Aaron was talking about, um, the feeling around the world that uh, populations are not being well served by their governments, the uh, living, dealing with the massive cost of living increases. And while there's been a lot of talk about inflation and the direction of inflation, the reality is inflation is a number that's a gauge of year-over-year -year price changes, but cost of living is what you're stuck with when all is said and done, and that's putting a lot of strains. And as we go through uh, the elections coming up around the world, cost of living is going to be one of the big issues, as is migration and inequality. So let's just jump right into it. So with all the problems in the world today, the U.S. VIX or the fear index is at uh, pre-pandemic lows. So we are fighting two uh, wars uh, around the world right now. We have uh, 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 big elections coming up that will have uh, a lot of impact on uh, populations all over, as well as geopolitics and economics. Um, but you're seeing all these changes. And I saw this quote from Paul Singer at Elliott, um, and it's it's so true. We're we're counting on the good sense of leaders and. I think finding leaders with good sense right now is a bit of a challenge. So, or should we be more worried is a fair question that he's asking, and I think he's right on that. So here's a, the map of elections that are gonna be held around the world next year, and you can see it's covering a broad swath of the, of the global population. In fact, there's 40 countries that are seeing uh, national elections coming up for 41% of the world's population and 42% of the world's GDP. So the implications of the policies that are uh, being put in place uh, as a result of these elections are going to be massive on the global system. 
as we're dealing with a lot of issues right now. So we're starting the year out with uh, an election in Taiwan and ending it uh, really with an election in the U.S. And, and these are the big ones that matter if you're in a country that's uh, going through an election right now. They all matter because uh, the changes are so great. When you think about what's the impact of these nations and, and what the current state of these nations are, it's pretty fascinating. So we'll go through this pretty quickly. Um, so Taiwan, we just had the... Uh, uh, a breakdown of uh, the KMT and the People's Party, where they were trying to get together, which would have been a more China-friendly uh, uh, alliance against the incumbent DPP. Uh, that alliance hit a roadblock last week and fell apart um, a bit, whether it comes back together or not, they have a couple months to go. What matters for it is really um, cost of living is going to be a big issue throughout, but high unemployment, slow wage growth and housing um, really impact the young voters. And they're really sitting there thinking young voters have a different view of the world than uh, the older people do. And they're much more globalist and they're much more open. So I think it's going to be interesting to see, can you push the voters around the way uh, is being done in a lot of nations right now? I think voters prefer the status quo. So is the China um, instigation is going to have the opposite effect of what they hope? The goal for China is to wear it down and do it peaceably, but um, a DPP win would certainly put some greater strains on than a, a KMT or a PP uh, win might. But right now it's coming at a good time for China where the U.S. is looking to de-escalate tensions. And if I'm China, I'm waiting to see what the outcome of the U.S. election is anyway. Switching to Russia, it's not much of an election. Adam can weigh in on this, but... Uh, Mr. Putin's approval rating is quite high and is uh, the big opposition leaders in jail and poison, so not exactly a fair contest. But really what matters is how the, the war in Ukraine plays out. Um, there was an article in one of the papers today that the uh, mothers and wives in, in, uh, of Russian soldiers are now uh, complaining very vocally about uh, the length of time that uh, people are in battle. and. Uh, as you know, most a lot of wars end when the women uh, say they've had enough, and uh, we have to see how that plays out there. The sanctions have had haven't had the impact, but the overall economy has done okay for right now. But how long can that go on, and how uh, broad is that uh, being played out, and what kind of support will the government have as this continues to drag on? I think the course of the war and the uh, perception of the population are very important right now. Uh, things are favoring uh, Mr. Putin, uh, but there is a question of what's the confidence in his leadership going forward. Um, and I think this is one where it's really up to the West, as Adam mentioned earlier, to decide how we want this to end. The longer it goes on, the more it plays in Putin's favor, and that will make him even harder to be displaced uh, later on. Switching to India, and this has been was fascinating, uh, such a fascinating country because the start of the year, remember when we were down in uh, Naples or Miami, the big talk was about the rise of India and the decline of China. And while India's done quite well, it's still fighting itself uh, to move forward. They're dealing with the same problems most other nations are dealing with, with food inflation, uh, energy challenges that they're facing, but they have made some really incredible progress under uh, uh, Prime Minister Modi, and they are starting to really chip away at China's manufacturing edge, but can that continue? And I think the real issue for, for India is, uh, is 
can they fulfill the potential that everyone sees for them? And uh, they are on the rise, but can they can they achieve what they're looking to do? Um, I think that's really one of the big wild cards there. And Modi is in a funny spot where he's got a lot of power, uh, but he's viewed as part innovator, part capitalist, and part autocrat, which makes it really hard for people to understand how they're going to get behind that nation. Um, but it has all the upside uh, if they can get it right. We just have to see, can they finally get it right? Switching to Europe and the UK, and uh, you know, they're an interesting election coming. You have uh, Sunak trailing, uh, but the Labour Party has not really stepped up in a way that gives a, a viable alternative that's going to solve the problems of the UK. Leadership has been fairly underwhelming. Um, the population is growing increasingly frustrated about the inability to deliver on commitments, the rising debt levels, inflation, health services, immigration are all big issues here, and I think that's going to continue. What you have to watch is what party is going to come out with a platform that people are going to get behind, and, uh, and is there anything that's going to really change the structural issues? Because I think the problems of the UK go back decades. Uh, they've had a carve out of the industrial base, and then with Brexit, you've saw some weakening of their one of their strongest sectors, which is finance. So what's going to drive the economy forward uh, is the, really the big question. So I think some of these problems are going to get harder and harder for politicians to answer. I'm not sure it's better to be the incumbent party or the guys trying to get in, uh, because either way, I think you're going to have a tough, tough run. The EU is another area that we're seeing big changes coming. Um, you know, you have uh, 27 countries going to vote on June 6th for the leadership for the European Union. I think you're already starting to see a shift to the to the right, and anti-immigration is a big theme. That was one of the big themes in the Dutch election, but I think it's going to be a theme throughout uh, Europe. Um, and then you have the climate issues continuing to be a challenge as well. And then the decisions that are being made uh, around uh, the shape of the union, the size of the uh, European Union, and what do we do with Ukraine and how how to support Wayne or, or strengthen for that, I think is going to be the key. I think that the issues around climate in, uh, integration and nationalism as well as uh, immigration are going to be top of mind. Um, and I think the thing you're going to have to watch is who is what does the commission look like uh, with the new players in and how do they address the big issues, the Green Deal, European competitiveness and the EU structure, I think, are all at stake here. And I think this is a really big issue for the future of the EU. Uh, what happens over the next uh, couple of years is going to matter more than at any time in its history, I believe. And then we go to the US. So uh, fascinating, uh, 337 million people, and we're stuck with two of the most highly unpopular candidates in history. Um, and people just feel we're going in the wrong direction. Um, there are eight states that are really going to determine everything again. Uh, Jack, Ohio didn't make the list, but they always are on the list, so uh, I'm not sure why I didn't put them on this time. But Biden has a real issue in terms of uh, he's touting the uh, economy, and there's a disconnect with the population's fears of the economy and what's going on versus the numbers that are being put out. And uh, I think that's a challenge for the Democrats. Add to that that uh, Vice President Harris has lower approval ratings than Biden or Trump, and you can see the challenges that exist there. At the same time, we have uh, there is no precedent for an election where the presidential candidate's under indictment while he's seeking trial for office. Um, 
and uh, was on trial while seeking office. So there is the issue, does a third party candidate emerge? I saw the uh, uh, Koch, and Koch backers uh, threw their support behind Nikki Haley today. Um, you have Joe Manchin trying to figure out where he's gonna go. I think for the Democrats, the issue that's a winning issue for them is abortion, not the economy. Uh, for the Republicans, it's probably going to be, and the Democrats can also work on gun control. I think immigration is going to be uh, the big issue and the economy for the Republicans to, to tout. Um, I think you're going to see a lot of uh, discussions around uh, tax policy coming up as well. But I wanted to just share with you a little bit about what the Trump campaign agenda is shaping up. And this is from the Trump website. So uh, the more nationalistic and more populist is mine. <laughs> the rest is from the website. So the big themes globally are uh, really uh, decoupling from China, uh, changing terms of trade again, making it more difficult to import, um, really going after illegal immigrants, but uh, not as enough emphasis in my view on uh, legal immigration and what we need to do there. Um, and then he's really focused on pulling back from all foreign conflicts. So. Uh, which is a green light for Mr. Putin, Xi, and uh, uh, North Korea, uh, Iran, and other uh, people looking to uh, uh, seize opportunities that the U.S. might have been preventing him from taking advantage of earlier. And then, interestingly, on the domestic front, he has no intentions to go after entitlement form, which needs to be taken care of by both parties, because he knows it's not a winning ticket. And this is part of the genius of Trump's election prowess is he understands the population and understands what's a winning uh, uh, line and what's not. Um, he's looking at extending the tax cuts that he put in place. And in fact, there's even mention of lowering the corporate tax rate from the current 21 down to 15, which would be uh, create some real challenges for the economy and the deficits, while at the same time rolling back the Biden tax hikes and boosting spending and then uh, tightening up immigration. So you can see a very interesting dynamic. So think about the implications of these policies on global politics and the strains it's going to place on allies and the opportunity it might create for adversaries. And you can see why next year is shaping up to be such a big year for, global, for the globe. So our take on the world is, you know, that policymakers are in a really tough spot right now. They don't have the financial resources to uh, limit the impact of a potential recession. They can't, uh, and, and yet we're still not on a path for sustainable growth and we're dealing with massive debt burdens at a higher interest rate levels that are going to squeeze out, uh, having interest costs squeeze out other opportunities. Um, they're doing this while the economy is, the global economy is going through major, three major changes. The adjustment to the rising cost of living, and just to put it in perspective, Bloomberg had a piece today that in the last two years, the uh, average basket for a household in the U.S. of goods went from $100 to $119. Um, so 20% increase in the cost of living, and that's what people are going to be up in arms with around the world is, you know, it's not what inflation is doing, it's what the cost of that you have to buy things are are matter are gonna matter for you. Fortunately in the US, the price of oil's down, uh, the price of the pump's down 60 cents. That translates into roughly $100 billion of cash into consumers' pockets over a year. But cost of living is gonna be a big thing that's gonna plague politicians for some time. While they're talking about inflation coming down, it doesn't resonate with people when 
your insurance costs are going up, new used car costs are going up, housing costs are going up, and food costs are going up. We're doing this while the global fragmentation is worsening, making it harder for uh, the system to be as efficient as possible, which is what the real genius of the uh, uh, detente and globalization was. It made the system highly efficient. Now we're making it much less efficient, and that's going to increase cost again. And you're doing that while the world is reindustrializing and uh, shifting from uh, what were for the last 20 years, the manufacturing hubs of China and Germany and moving to other areas that's really changing how capital flows and how global trade operates. It also changes how companies think about uh, their business and where their investments are coming. And all this is occurring uh, with two of the most powerful stimulants we've seen in our history, climate transformation and AI, which we're gonna talk about in a minute. And I think in both cases, we're going to see massive money made and lost because um, the early stages are a lot of hype and then you move into the reality. And I think we're starting to see that on the climate side. I think you're already seeing it in some of the AI areas where the feds and the, uh, and the Fugazis, the fakes are, are coming out and then you get to the real opportunities where the real money is going to be made. And I think that's coming soon. I think if you want to make money in this environment, you follow what where the governments, the private sector is spending, because I think the consumers are still adjusting to the rising cost of living and they're going to be less of a factor than they were uh, typically. And it's government policy and how the private sector reacts to that is really defining opportunities. But I think the big issue, and then for all the negatives and for all the problems facing politicians, I wouldn't want to be in any one of those eight countries as the leader at, at this time. We are living in a period that's going to be the most amazing period of innovation I think we've seen in our lifetimes. And that's going to create opportunities for us, both positive and negative. But overall, we've worked through the negatives throughout our history when innovation takes over and the positives then come to the fore. And I think that'll be the case as we get through this process. But it'll be volatile. And uh, I think you should expect a little bit more volatility than the fear gauge suggests right now. Bearish sentiment is almost at a record level uh, low. Um, so I think you have to be a little bit more careful given that we've had a almost a 10% move in the markets in the last month. Um, a little pause for refresh is probably appropriate at this time. So Mark, I'll stop there and open it up. All right. So. All right, everybody. Thank you, Stephen. Anyway, just you like accolades, or you don't like accolades, but you're, you, if you look back 190 weeks ago, well, you just, you just gave us a tour, tour de force by country. Yeah, you just keep it to one thing. <laughs> no, like this, you've, like, you've, your game keeps stepping up. Um, so that aside, Jack, would you agree with that? You're talking about Stephen's game. It's getting better and better. And yeah. I think it's because he's increasingly in a sense of anticipation of his 200th event celebration. What's the it's number now? 190. It's actually because I have three hours more every Sunday because the Jets are so bad. I can't watch the games anymore. So I have three hours more to be working. <laughs> you know, it's, 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 it's sounding as though the 200th celebration could occur in Naples or Miami. 
those th those are two cities in one of America's southern states. Yeah. yeah. So let's could, let's let's. Are you going to ask a question, Jack? With with that, or was going to open it up? No, but I I I think it'd be interesting to see what we're collectively thinking about Nikki Haley, who's who's shifted gears, <laughs> and and there are several other apparently there's so, several other uh, donors in the B category that are going to slide over to her team. So she has she's making some progress that was that appears to be coming increasingly visible and recognized within the public. And so she might be the, the one, the one person who becomes um, his nemesis. And it's interesting you raised that Jack, because uh, uh, Ray Dalio had highlighted that this week in a, in his comments to that uh, he thought that she was one of the ones that could did she, did, did she visit the Bohemian Club? Sure. That would be it. No, it's, it's, it's an interesting move, though. Yeah. Eddie, from the... Uh, from. Oh, you're going to go there now? Yeah, I want to go there. You're going, you're going there? I'm going right. I'm going right to Europe. All right. Eddie, Fine. Yeah. give us your take. Um... I'm I'm obviously I'm, I'm I'm for a lot of people who know me obviously saddened by the by the by the oh. things that transpired. But interestingly enough, and just for those who don't know, uh, Geert Wilders, um, who is um, an alt right sort of uh, political figure, um, um, who is uh, very divisive, if you like, in a very direct way. Um, which is contrary to a lot of what my country stands for, mm -hmm. has just garnered a quarter of the population uh, and became the largest mm -hmm. party in, an, in a shocking upset. Nobody expected this, not even the pollsters. Uh, and he ran on a platform that a lot of right uh, alt-right parties or extreme right parties run on, which is anti-climate, anti anti-EU, anti minority current whatever whatever you want to call and i did a little bit of research and uh, it turns out which i i didn't realize to the extent for all countries but but from the pew research um um last year it turns out that 80 percent of the people in the eu actually already live in a country where the alt-right and alt-left parties together have 20 percent or more than the vote and i'll 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 quickly run through it with you. Um, more than 50% in Italy and Hungary. And we all know this. This is sort of known, right? If you've got Maloney and Five Star Movement and Lega. Um, France, Poland, and Greece, it's over 40%. Spain, Belgium, and Sweden, it's over 20%. Particularly for people who know about the Scand Scandinavian countries who are always sort of very sort of neutral and, and, and centrist and conformist. Uh, that's a that's a shock. Um, Spain also a shock. We have both Vox and Podemos on the left and right side right there. Um, and uh, then the Netherlands right now over twenty five. Uh, uh, Germany ten, and and the only actually outlier here is the UK. But then then think about the UK all, also voted against or, uh, or for for Brexit. So 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 they're 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 anti EU clearly, or or at least <laughs> half of them a couple of years ago. How that how that would turn out right now, I don't know. Um, but that is an actually sort of a staggering amount of of support, 
And that will have a number of implications going forward, right? So, so first of all, it will slow down um, the the sort of the climate uh, and the climate adjustment investments that are made. Um, there was there was a lot of uh, sort of pushback against Germany pushing heat pumps through, which are an excellent way to decarbonize, but expensive. So people will on the on the right will sell that as sort of crap that only rich people really want. Um, uh, it, it will it will bifurcate uh, and and therefore undermine a lot of EU rulings and a lot of EU uh, um, proposals for investments and integrations going forward. Uh, and it will, in general, set a much harder tone, uh, both on the left and the right side, in sort of um, national politics and international politics. Um, and 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 then the last thing it will undermine the EU as an institution. There's 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 a lot of folks who are against EU in general and want to want in our case Nexit uh, and in the you know uh, for for Brexit and 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 that kind of stuff. That that will not help the EU as an institution nor help the economies of every single individual uh, party. Clearly, in the Netherlands, it's uh, economical suicide to leave the EU. Uh, we're way too small of a country and our our balance sheet is way too uh, dependent on export and import. Um, and so there's not even a question that that, that that can't happen economically. And nonetheless, people vote for those folks who are sort of preying on fear, dissentment of government, dissentment on, uh, 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 on, 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 on populist um, sort of social media and populist um, movement and news. Um, and that's, um, I don't think, uh, a great thing, but it will have far-reaching implications going forward. And that's why it's so good that Stephen said that uh, we have to watch those elections very carefully because it might shape and might inform your, your economic and political opinion. The, the, the formation of the commission in Europe, I think, is going to be quite important for uh, who gets in what seats. Uh, for next year in June. I think, Eddie, the other fallout is is it's going to weigh on the willingness of European nations to continue to support Ukraine. And that yes, yes. goes right to... In the Netherlands President case, they, 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 they want to, uh, just like Trump, uh, remove all uh, support uh, going forward, yeah. um, which is also, you know... Now, when you say that the, ne the Netherlands, if you're saying that party... Are you saying that there's is there a, a more of a controlling? No, no, no. That, that 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 party that party is an outlier. Yeah. But the, uh, so far, most of of European countries have have essentially said we can't govern with you, extremist party, and so mm -hmm. we'll do we'll 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 try to move around you. But these parties have become so sort of pervasive and uh, so so big that you can't actually going forward. Um, uh, do that anymore so so it, it, the best strategy might be to let them govern it's always easy to be on the back bench shouting insults uh it's much more it's much harder to actually try to govern and try to come up with sensible solutions and policies um and so maybe the best way is actually let them be part of the government um so so that their um either their opinions have to bend and and, and straighten out uh, or then, or next time around, they will lose a lot of votes. Because it's not that all of a sudden, all Dutch people from from one day to another become extreme right. There's a lot of 
dissentment votes I'm, and say, I'm with you. I don't want you voting the other guy. I'm with you, and I'm. And I, before you came on at the 10.30, I, as you know, I studied in Leiden, and I thought the Dutch were, you know, I'm, I'm just, I, I love the balance of the Dutch. Um, you know, they've, yeah. they've, got, they've got the traits of different, different countries, and, and, and yet here we are. But Don't hold it against me personally, please, next time. <laughs> but I'm just, I'm, I guess I'm, we're at war. I can't afford, we can't afford to let them govern for a, a short period of time. Uh, speaking as a quasi-Dutch, since I studied there. <laughs> um, I don't think even if they govern, which I think there's the chance that they will govern are, are significant, very over 50% significantly. Um, uh, I don't think that most of their policies will be adopted. They'll have to be negotiated and watered down, if anything. Okay. He's already said he's... he's Got a he's got a softness stance on things to get yeah, a coalition. He technically did that. that was very he actually said that. Yeah, he said it already. Right. I'm uh, as as it is my job to do. I'm reminding uh -oh. you that we have uh -oh. other commitments today, have, and so we can uh -oh. we can take the we can take the questions, but they can't be our usual uh -oh. format long questions. So Tim and and, and Adam. You mean the way Adam usually asks uh, this question? I, I, I would be willing to bet hard currency that Adam would have a question. Adam's I just don't first. know how long the answer or the question or answer will be. Okay. Oh, sure. No, and, hi, and hi, Byron, and others have joined already. Uh, we're across 11:30, so bear with us, people. Adam, Adam, you're Adam, on mute. You're gonna lose your your standing. <laughs> there we go. I, just High in stakes. time. High stakes here. I'll be very brief. I have a comment and a question for Eddie. Uh, my comment is regarding the, about the extremist far right in Spain is quite a surprise oh. for me, um, given my Spanish roots and studying there. I, I would think that they've already learned from the Civil War or we have learned from the Civil War. Is this a question or a comment? That he, said, he, said, he said both. <laughs> My question to Eddie is, what is the root of this extreme right populism in Europe? We, we have the same thing here in the United States. What is the root of it, and is it sustainable? You got a minute? I certainly do. Okay, great. Yeah, it's a, it's a relatively short question. That's a that's a tough one. I, I don't think I'm 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 sort of uh, uh, sort of the best. Maybe that's a deep it, deep. Me, maybe it's a deep dive question. Yeah, it's it's definitely something that we should discuss. It actually, uh, whoever's interested in it, because it's interesting. But there's a couple of things for me, uh, um, uh, and I think the growing dissent started actually a couple couple decades ago. It didn't it didn't s all of a sudden appear out of nothing um you know uh marie le pen's father uh, uh, he was also a famous guy uh, uh, who had at some point 20 20 plus percent um obviously we had an immigration crisis and in, in 2015 and still have uh and in, in the moment you have millions of people flooding uh into europe that causes uh anxiety xenophobia a lot of a lot of countries have uh, simply physically not a lot not a lot of space and if you add if you tag on uh, uh, 10 more people in your subway compartment you're gonna have uh, you're gonna sweats will break out uh that's that's one and that that coupled with uh, with a sort of a now an energy crisis that that doesn't make it better that coupled with a climate crisis um which is which is in europe 
um, much much stronger and much more government and international policies um, that are weaving woven into the sort of the the, the, the daily uh, lives context um, and 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 news and so the consequences for the average citizen are much higher in Europe for that and costs also that are borne by the average citizen are much higher so those 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 couple things are are, are there and then I think that the proliferation of the news actually and and the way news is consumed also helps right it doesn't it doesn't help that there's um, and it's same as in the US there's there's echo chambers on the left side and the right side um uh, fake news uh, uh um you know the 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 occurrence of it has appeared also in the european uh, sort of news outlets uh, and you see that clearly in 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 the in the in the way people consume it and the way people then uh produce it again so so those those four things i think are 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 definitely exacerbating what already started a couple decades ago and at a fifth Eddie, which is the divide be inside the union between the haves and have-nots when the bailouts came of uh, uh, of the financial crisis that yeah. created greater strains and more nationalist uh, views and yeah. led to the rise of the right. I agree. Maybe there are a couple others, but I think that these yeah. are these are all sort of, uh, um, you know, and, and, and so, and to your second part of your question, is it here to stay? I don't foresee it going away anytime soon, unfortunately. Climate doesn't. The climate problems on on you know unfortunately won't get solved over the next couple of decades. That's something that generations from now will still be dealing with, and that's uh, th that that's if we're lucky. Um, I don't think that immigration issues will be solved. I think that will be yeah more rather than less going forward. Um, and so yeah, I'm 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 really thinking. We're in a big pickle here. And, and I think the only way out is actually through is, is sort of incorporating these part parties in your government and, and, and together try to solve the problem. As